June 23rd, 2012. VGN Radio presents Kevin's Oblast Radio with your host, Kevin Baird. Welcome. It is a Saturday afternoon, which is kind of rare for me to actually be recording, but it just turned out to be one of those things where nobody um, that normally like I do stuff with was around uh, today, so I decided I would sit down and record a quick show. Um, I'm supposed to be trying to get some shows together with Brian, with Larry, with Don, Don, Jason, etc., um, Jedi, uh, everybody who wants to do the show, nobody's ever available to do the show, and it's kind of a, it's kind of just getting to the point where I'm, I've got a new strategy in mind, um, and I thought I would, uh, put together a little show here to talk about that, a couple of technical things, and, um, some of the crazy things that went on with me and my back problems. Um, I, I was going to do a whole show about talking about, um, at one point, the crazy American medical system and what it took to actually get through um, getting my back fixed uh, from the doctor. Um, I'll tell you what happened. Basically, I think um, there was a combination of events helping Don Cease move, doing some yard work, using this back pressure thing my mom got me, buying a new bed, um, walking on the treadmill uphill. Uh, all of these things combined with probably a poor chair that I had at the office um, and some other things, shoes, and I'm telling you, I was just like a perfect storm of problems that were sort of developing from having uh, this back pain come on. I mean, it was just, you know, I was just working up towards doing everything possible to make it, make it happen. And um, so... I herniated a disc, most likely. I don't know, and I'll tell you why I don't know. Uh, it was in my, you know, they think it was in my, like, um, lowest part of my vertebrae. And if you don't know what a disc is, basically, you know, your vertebrae and your spine is separated by little discs. And they're little, um, the best, you know, the best way you can think about them is, is they're like gummy bears or something. They're just like these discs that sit, you know, as they're round, though, and they sit between the, um, the two vertebrae, and they're usually, you know, fairly flexible and tough. And then what happens is, is when you turn about 35 um, to about the age of 50, it's possible for you to um, rupture these discs because they start to get weak. And um, the reason it happens between 35 and 50 is because you... I'm going to turn my volume up just a touch because my volume's a little low, and I just want to make sure that... okay. And so what happens is, is that the, um, the disc, uh, between 35 and 50 gets very weak and, and uh, the walls of it get weak and it can bust open. Now, after 50, you would think, well, isn't it even weaker? Well, actually what happens is, is that it starts to shrink at that point because it starts to, you know, just get smaller. And, and so even if it does rupture, it doesn't manage to impinge a nerve. See, a lot of thing, a lot of times what'll happen is, is like, if you go lift weights, or you go help a guy move or do something that messes your back up and you're in that category between 35 and 50, you might have blown out a disc. You might have blown out multiple discs and you actually won't feel it. You might hear some like back cracking and things going on a little bit more than normal. You might be like, huh, I'm cracking my back. It's kind of weird. But the only time that you'll actually notice, because there's no nerves in, in, you know, well, there's your, there's your spinal cord, but... The only time you'll notice this disc pushing out is um, if it presses against one of the nerves in your spine. And then you notice it because it's really freaking painful. 
And one of the reasons it's really painful is, is that, you know, it's not just pressure. There's actually proteins inside the disc that the nerve um, gets agitated from. So the longer the disc presses up against the nerve in your spine, the more painful it becomes because these proteins keep agitating it. That causes it to swell, and that presses against the, it even harder, and you end up in a lot of pain. So I ended up with a lot of leg pain because you obviously you don't feel it in your spine. The nerve that you're touching, it's, a, it's like a false sense, you know. That's my leg nerve. So, you know, there's a whole um, uh, map that you can find on the Internet that tells you which disc and all this sort of stuff is pressing against which nerve. And uh, you can tell by where you have the pain. And basically I had this S1 nerve, which was, um, you know, one of the lowest discs pressing up against the, the nerve on the one side. And I had it in my foot and in my in my calf and in my uh, buttocks and um, and it was super super painful so ultimately uh, it took about a month I ended up on a med draw pack that's steroids you take it for like you know six days um, that basically uh, stops cortisol from forming in your body which stops all inflammation from happening that's why you can only take it for six days because your body actually needs inflammation for things like say your um, uh, stomach like your stomach, for instance, is a great example. Your stomach actually has to rebuild the lining on the walls of your stomach all the time. And it does that through inflammation. So if you were to, for instance, keep taking those, you would eventually your stomach would ulcer and, and fall apart because it can't rebuild itself. So anyway, but once I took those, it was like a miracle. I tell you what, if you've ever had any kind of major injury like that, get yourself a Medrol pack because it makes the inflammation just go away. And... Um, I did a lot of research, though, um, uh, before I got that, because I got that like a month later. Uh, I mean, basically, the doctor said, here's some freaking Tylenol, you know, take that for the pain, and uh, take if you have really bad pain, go ahead and take um, some Percocets. And I was like, really in pain. I was just like, okay, I can't walk, but if I, thank you. And that wasn't really, she didn't really give me the right shit. But, um, uh, I, so while I was on that, I was doing a lot of research about uh, painkillers and all this sort of stuff. And what's interesting is, you know, basically these things are all called NSAIDs. Um, the over-the-counter painkillers are all called NSAIDs, you know, and you, you basically have four kinds. You have your standard aspirin, you have your Tylenol, you have your naproxen, which is Aleve, and then you have um, uh, ibuprofen, which is your Advil, your Motrin, etc. is ibuprofen. Your Tylenol is actually Paractamol, sometimes called acetaminophen. Um, and uh, those, um, those are basically it. There's a couple other things like Dones is like some derivative, etc. But ma mainly the four painkillers you can get are those. Now, what's interesting is that um, the last three I just mentioned, okay, uh, ibuprofen, naproxen, which is Aleve, and Tylenol. So Tylenol, Aleve, and like Advil. Um, those three all work off the same pain receptor in your... Um, in your, you know, body, whatever. And so, um, aspirin, on the other hand, works on a completely different pain receptor. It works off of, um, uh, the, it, it's called COX, COX, basically, COX-1, and, um, the other ones work on COX-2. Why does that matter? I'll tell you why it matters. Because, for some reason, um, if you take, uh, painkillers on COX, that affect COX-2, it can sometimes give you a heart attack. Uh, especially if you do it for a long period of time. The, the more you take them... Um, apparently studies suggest that, uh, they give you a heart attack. Nobody knows exactly why that is a uh, mystery. Um, 
aspirin won't give you a heart attack. In fact, aspirin is like the miracle drug. It supposedly helps fight fucking cancer. It stops uh, heart attacks. It stops strokes. Um, it's wonderful. Except that COX-1, the, the one that it inhibits, uh, is the one that in, impacts your stomach lining. So if you take a lot of aspirin over a long period of time, uh, it can mess up your stomach lining and you can get ulcers. So you have to sort of, a, you know, you have, you have a bit of a problem there. Now, of the uh, of these, I was doing some uh, a little bit of uh, science and combinations with them. Um, uh, ibuprofen is what I originally got prescribed. Okay, you know, six hundred milligrams. And really wasn't doing very well on it, and um, I was looking up some stuff about it. And people said, well, you know, you can take Tylenol and ibuprofen at the same time because they um, they are they work a little bit differently. See, ibuprofen uh, is an anti-inflammatory. And where um, the Tylenol is not. And Tylenol seems to have some mysterious sort of, this is true, has some mysterious extra uh, pain receptor that it may be working on. So if you take a combination of the two, that actually works pretty good. Um, it works better than taking ibuprofen by itself. And this is totally normal. It's not like uh, you're over overdosing or anything. Doctors can prescribe this to you. For instance, my doctor did prescribe this to me. He said... Um, or she said, you know, take the, take the motion 600s, uh, every six hours and then take the Percocet for extreme pain. And Percocet is actually a combination of an opiate and Tylenol. So if you forget about the opiate for a second, basically she was saying you can take Tylenol and ibuprofen at the same time. It's totally normal. Now I was reading online and I was saying there's, um, you know, looking at, uh, people were telling me at first, uh, like my physical therapist, she's like, well, you know, the ibuprofen, because I was in so much pain, she's like, well, the ibuprofen doesn't really, um, it doesn't really work as good as uh, Aleve. You might want to try taking like a two Aleve and see if that works for you. So I took Aleve, and Aleve is, uh, Aleve is like, uh, I like Aleve as a painkiller, but it is like something that you want to take for like dental pain or like um, a muscle cramp or something, because it's like for that long-term nagging pain that you have throughout the day because the leave lasts for like 12 hours, it supposedly does. And it's pretty good for like, you know, um, slowing that down and and uh, sort of taking the edge off of that those sorts of pains. Um, but it has a very light sort of anti-inflammatory. So, you know, given what I was talking about earlier with my spine and everything and the way the nerves pressing against each other and causing all this pain, I really needed a better anti-inflammatory because I had something for the pain. I mean, the way I was figuring it, Tylenol is really good for like dealing with the pain. I needed some kind of better anti-inflammatory. Well, then I read about aspirin. Again, aspirin, it's like a miracle drug. The more aspirin that you take over a period of time, you know, over a period of time, you just take the regular, you know, 325 or 400 milligram dosage of aspirin. Um, you know, every six hours, it builds up in, 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 a, in a way that actually improves the anti-inflammatory benefits. So I was like, well, that's very interesting, you know? And so I started to take it. I started to take the aspirin, uh, repeatedly, you know, every six hours worked fan freaking tastic. Okay. It didn't make me like hundred percent. I wasn't out bowling the next day, but my pain really went down by taking the aspirin. And I eventually just stopped taking the Tylenol because the aspirin was doing it. It was just, you know, killing the inflammation. And I was like, this is awesome. Now, one thing to know about aspirin as well is that the reason they don't prescribe it, you know, for a lot of things is also because it, um, it has an antiplatelet effect, which causes you, like, if you have a cut or an injury or whatever, you know, it, 
it's not like your wound won't heal. It's just that you'll bleed a little bit more. And so, like, after surgery and all these sorts of things, they want you to heal, and they don't want to give you, you know, something that's going to cause you to bleed. Ibuprofen does the same thing um, in terms of, you know, causing you to bleed. So doctors don't want you to take ibuprofen. But aspirin can actually uh, thin your blood for a long period of time. And that's good. That's what gives it its anti-heart attack, anti-stroke benefits. But it's not good if you're going in to have surgery. Well, it turned out that, you know, once I finally got in to see the doctor, he said, hey, you know, I'm going to give you this needle in your back and it's going to get rid of all the pain for like 30 or 40 days. And then hopefully, you know, you can go to physical therapy and you'll feel better and you'll be stronger. And then when the pain wears off or the painkiller wears off, you'll be back to normal. And I was like, okay, I wasn't really looking forward to, you know, going in and getting this done though, because nobody wants to get a shot in their back. You know, you don't want to get a big needle shoved in your back and everything, ah, you know, and putting you inside this machine because they're going to first put in a dye to see where he has to shoot me, you know. So they're like, they inject me with a dye and then they put me in the thing and then see where it is, aha, and then they're going to stab me with it and everything. And I was like, you know, that doesn't sound very good. So anyway, what happened was, is like, um, I was due for surgery about two weeks ago on Tuesday. I call it surgery. It's really just a series of shots. And, um, but they gave me this big form and they were like, don't take this, 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 this. And it says, don't take aspirin two weeks before your surgery. And mind you, they gave this to me, um, like four days before I was supposed to go in and have this procedure done. So I call them up on the phone and I'm like, well, I've been taking aspirin 400 milligrams with caffeine. Uh, caffeine actually helps, um, Tylenol, uh, excuse me, aspirin work better. In fact, if you buy anison or, or certain kinds of um, uh, aspirin, it'll come with a um, caffeine aspirin mix, which actually helps the pain benefits. Just in case you ever, you know, want to get yourself a little bit of a um, a feel good buzz in the morning, pop a pop an anison. Anyway, so they were like, "Oh no, you can't do that. We're gonna have to reschedule this. We're gonna have to schedule it for two weeks from now." And I'm like, "All right, well, that's fine. I guess I'll wait another two weeks." But I was already kind of at a point where, I mean, it's been almost two months and I'm sitting there with my head and I'm thinking to myself, well, okay, I mean, I'm getting, like, uh, this isn't too bad. I'm not even sure I need to go into this anymore because, I mean, I'm, I'm walking more. I mean, I could stand for, like, five minutes and not have any pain. And so um, uh, I went without painkillers and everything um, for a day, and it was a little bit uncomfortable. I, it was a little bit like, eh, I don't know, I guess I'll still go have the surgery and stuff. But now it's been like two more weeks and, um, you know, and because I was off the aspirin and everything. So I went back to, they said I could take the ibuprofen as long as I stopped, I stopped 24 hours before I had the procedure done. So I was like, okay. So, you know, I was just taking the ibuprofen and um, after two more weeks, now I'm fine. So I don't even need to go get the shots done. It was like this huge thing to get the shots done. Now, the reason I don't really know whatever happened to me, and I blame myself for part of this problem. I mean, it still was taking over a month to go in and see the specialist, so there was nothing I could do in order to go see the specialist after, you know, even if I would have gotten some of this other stuff done. But I could not get an MRI done. Now, I've had a CAT scan done. Uh, I've gone in, I've had those done. A CAT scan is very similar. Uh, it's just sort of an open, round, almost like a disc that um, you lay on a table and they can move you in and out of this thing. And um, it's just an x-ray. It's, it's an x-ray that lasts longer than a normal x-ray. I mean, a normal x-ray is kind of like getting your picture taken. You know, it blasts you with some rays really quick. And, um, you know, you don't feel anything. It, and this is sort of the same thing. It just lasts a little bit longer. It's a longer x-ray. You know, they don't really want to give them to you because you might get cancer and all this. But I've had it done before. I mean, I had it done maybe, you know, a couple years ago and stuff when they were just trying to see what was going on with... I have some redness in my eye, which I'm not going to tell you about like in this story but if anybody wants to hear about that dumb medical process i'll tell you about it it's stupid so um so i go in and you know and i have this done and um 
I go in for the MRI, and I've seen pictures of you know MRIs. You know, I've seen them on TV and stuff, and people tell me, "Oh, you go inside this tube and you lay on this thing and stuff like that." And I was all fine with that. I I'm not claustrophobic, but um, like I got on the uh, I got on the on the table thing to slide in. And, you know, they, they move you in, and my, my shoulders were um, pressed against the sides of this uh, machine. And the machine is really freaking loud. It's just, nong, 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 nong. And um, I have these headphones on, and I'm listening to it. But I guess I got kind of claustrophobic at that point because, I mean, you know, really what it was, though, is that, like, my imagination runs away with me. I'm, I realize that I'm inside a giant magnet and I'm just, my brain is just going, you know, Kevin, you may have eaten a steel penny when you were a child. It's going to come ripping out of your body at any moment. Any moment right now, the iron in your body is going to get pulled out and you're going to die. You're, you're just going to get ripped apart. An air canister is going to come flying out of the room and bang you in the head. This thing could collapse. What if it catches on fire? My brain goes nuts thinking about possibilities. And what happens to me uh, the physiologically is that, you know, I can sit there and tell myself, look, don't, it's... It's okay. It's it's fine. But every time, like my brain starts to just sort of like go in that direction, I get hit with adrenaline. Like my body hits me with like that fear adrenaline. It's just like bam, 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 bam. And when you get hit with enough of that stuff, at least for me, I get kind of like you know rapid breathing and I start sweating and I'm just sitting there and I'm going to myself. I can't keep, I can't keep doing it because I'm just I'm so freaking wired and you have to sit still. For like 40 minutes. It would be one thing like the um, the CAT scan, which lasts for like five minutes. But this would be like 40 minutes of just sitting there sweating and my adrenaline's pounding and I can't move. And plus I have pain in my back, you know. I mean, I had really serious pain at the first time I went in for the MRI. And I was like, look, I can't do it. I got to get out of this thing. You know, it's like, oh, well, all right, I'm sorry. You know, they're really nice, you know. And uh, I was like, that's all right. You know, and I... Um, I just, you know, I, I left and I figured, well, you know what I'll do is I'll, I'll get an open MRI and I'll get some drugs, you know. I mean, I mean, people I know have gone in and gotten these things with, like, Valium and things like that. So, I mean, I'll do the same thing. So, at home, I had some Ativan. You know, I've had I have Ativan for flying. And um, I was pretty nervous about going to get the open MRI because it wasn't really the claustrophobia thing because I'm not claustrophobic, you know. So, people are like, well, you go get the MRI, the open MRI and it's nicer and stuff like that. And um, I'm thinking, you know, it's not really, that's not really my problem. My problem is, is my imagination and my brain is just cooking, you know. So I'm hoping, like, I take the Ativan, that'll mellow me out, and I won't be thinking all that stupid shit. So um, I took half a milligram of uh, Ativan in the morning, and then uh, when I got there, I took another uh, half a milligram. And uh, really freaking nervous, man, because my brain's just cooking, you know, I'm just getting hit with adrenaline. Um, and the open MRI is kind of like getting inside a George Foreman grill. Um, it's just like, uh, it's flat and everything, but they kind of close you into the, this thing. So it's like really close to your body. And, um, uh, you know, my brain's just going and she's like, well, you know, we just got to do this. And it's, it's a lot quieter. I mean, if you ever have to get an MRI, if you're listening to this and none of this stuff bothers you, I still suggest that if you have the option of getting an open MRI, like if there's no cost difference for you, just get the open MRI because it's just a more pleasant experience, you know, and why not? It's kind of like sitting there going, you know, yeah, you could sit on a wood chair or you could sit on a lazy boy. And you'd be like, well, I don't care. I can sit on either chair. That's true. But if you had a preference, you'd probably want to sit on the lazy boy chair because it's comfortable. You know, you don't want to sit on the wood chair. And I would say the same thing with an open MRI. If you have an option, you know, if your doctor's like, I need to get an MRI, you'd be like, can I get an open MRI? And they'll be like, yeah, sure, you can get an open MRI. Get one because it's, it's, it's much nicer. As long as you don't have an imagination like mine. 
But I realize I have this problem. I realize that it's fucked up. I realize that it's not rational. It's just I've always been this way, especially with doctors. I, I think it just stems from being a little kid and being afraid of needles. I'm not afraid of needles anymore. You can stick me with needles all day. But when I was a kid, I mean, it was just like the most horrific thing, you know, because my imagination was going. I knew that getting stabbed with the needle was no big deal. It was like a pinch. It hurt a little bit, you know. But it, that's all it was. But when you're a kid, you're just thinking like somebody's taking a sword to you. You know what I mean? You're just screaming. You're like, ah! And you're running around and stuff, and uh, they're trying to hold you down, and you're like, ah! I mean, that's how I was as a kid. And I think that that same sort of imagination in doctors, you know, you smell the alcohol and all this stuff when you get in there, and it's like, eh, it just freaks me the hell out, you know? So ultimately, I'm not going back. I gotta go see my dermatologist, which I have to do once a year anyway, just because of, um, you know, it's sort of like a standard thing for to check. I'm fair skinned, so, you know, I got to check things to make sure I didn't suddenly develop cancer in the course of a year or anything like that. Um, not that I ever have, thank God, but just, you know, at my age, that's what you do. So, um, but yeah, I'm not going inside any more freaking machines, but I've decided that I am going to go see a psychiatrist, um, to try and talk about some of these, uh, um, uh, mostly just to see if there's some methods or, or, um, practices in order to, um, sort of, get my mind not to think about those sorts of things um because uh i think as i get older i mean obviously i'm gonna get sick and i'm gonna have to go in and do these things and i can't be like you know um freaking out inside an mri machine or or um you know afraid of getting like some guys working on me and stuff and um some of these irrational fears that i have are just that they're just irrational and i need to sort of just talk them through and uh, you know, I, a lot of people, if you have family and that sort of thing, you know, you can talk to your family and all this sort of stuff and, and probably have those opportunities to sit there and talk through with somebody intelligent that you know and say, you know, oh, this is weird. And say, oh, don't worry about it. Okay. You know, and that sort of thing. But I don't really have that in my life. You know what I mean? Like, I can talk to my mom a little bit, but she doesn't really listen. And then you got Brian, you know, and I'm, you know what I mean? Like, there's nobody in my life that I can sit there and have, like, the sort of... Um, uh, recurring, reassuring conversations. You know, my father's passed away. He might have been the guy to do it. Um, so, uh, you know, at this point, I think I'll just go talk to a professional because, you know, they deal with these people all the time and things like this, and they probably have some sort of a, um, you know, suggestions and things like that. It's not like, you know, I'm crazy or anything. I just think I need to get some sort of balance. And it's happened to me before. I, you know, I, I, I've had, like, um, uh, anxiety attack um, long ago, my father passed away and, um, ended up seeing a doctor. And it's interesting what will happen sometimes when you, you talk to somebody who's very professional and the, the way they, um, can, uh, uh, put things that you, you think about, about yourself in context and, and sort of take it away from yourself. You know, people, uh, sort of define themselves. You know what I mean? Like every people, your whole life sit there and they say, do you like, what, what is your favorite color? And you're like, I like blue, you know, and Blue's my favorite color and, and stuff. And then you sort of define yourself with that. Well, I always like blue because blue's my favorite color. And somebody eventually comes along in your life and there's like, well, you know what, dude, it's okay to like other colors. You don't just have to like blue. You know, you can like other colors. And you sort of see that, like that different perspective and you go, oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. I don't know why I'm choosing just to like one color. It's dumb. And people, people do that to themselves all the time. Like they just sort of define um, what they like, but also who they are. Like they sit there and they say, well, I'm not, I don't do those sorts of things, or I don't, I'm not like that. I don't, I don't go to those things or I don't, you know, 
I'm not the kind of person that's going to do this, or I'm not the kind of person that's going to do that. And it sometimes takes somebody from the outside to go, oh, there's nothing stopping you from, you know, doing that. Oh, yeah, but I won't like that. And, and they kind of break it down for you. So it's interesting. It's an interesting experience. I, I found it somewhat beneficial. It, it's a bit cognitive in therapy, but I don't, I don't have one of those things where they're like, they go back to my childhood or anything, and they're like, you know, this is because your dad tied you up in the basement when you are a child. Oh, it's true. My God, you're right. You know, so I don't know. So anyway, let's talk a little bit about technology here for a minute. Um, so one of the things like that's been going on is a problem where um, the there's a lot of background noise in this room. Um, I'll turn my microphone up for a second so you can hear it. Okay, so you probably can't hear too much because it's not horrible in here today. Uh, it's kind of based on temperature. Uh, the the problem is that the temperature in the room, um, you know, it can get up to like 80 degrees because there's a bunch of servers in this room. There's one, two, three, four. There's four servers and a gaming PC that I use to record on, which has a lot of fans in it. It makes a lot of noise. Then I have a ceiling fan that's up here. And then I have an air conditioner that if I turn on right now, it's a window air conditioner, it would make it so you can't even really hear me. So a lot of times I have to record and it's too loud. And what we do for Spill, which is different from what we do um, on VGN, is on Spill everybody records their own voice on Audacity locally. And then they go ahead and they um, bring all of those audio tracks together. And the problem with that is that if you got a lot of background noise, you know, it, when you're recording locally, it really comes out. So... I decided, well, you know, maybe what I'll do is I have this unfinished room in my basement. Maybe I'll make that my recording studio and move everything down there because there's no fans. There's no background noise. I'll just have to set up a different computer and record my audio down there. So that's the current plan. And what I decided, though, is that in order to do this, I'm going to have to, like, make some capital purchases and change the way the, um, the whole environment is set up. Uh, see, inside what I had is a, I had an old RV082 uh, um, router, which is a really good sort of mid-level um, Linksys router um, that I would use to sort of manage the websites and the traffic flow and everything like that. See, if you have like one of those little little bitty, you probably do, you probably have one of those little bitty um, standard routers, you know what I mean? It gives you Wi-Fi for your house and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, you probably maybe run a run a little, you know, server or something yourself or a desktop or, you know, you'd stream movies and all this sort of stuff. Um, you know, that's all fine. The problem with that is that a lot of these routers have very poor um, processors in them to handle the uh, str stress of the internet traffic. Uh, they have memory in them. And um, if you, for instance, like me, run multiple websites and um, DNS and all sorts of fun stuff, it eventually gets to the point where, you know, your router gets overloaded and a lot of times it can just kind of go kaput. So I needed something that was a little bit more top end because I was having problems back in the day. And uh, it served me really good. The problem is it wasn't Wi-Fi. It wasn't, you know, um, capable. And so I would try to connect Wi-Fi routers to it in order to um, talk to the rest of the house. But the, there was some problem with doing that. Um, it just, um, it works with, it worked with some things and not with other things. See, phones, cell phones are a really good example because cell phones, they do this weird thing like, um, when you 
for instance, don't use them for a while and then pick them back up and start to use them, uh, they don't really uh, request for a new IP address from the um, from the router. They just sort of continue to use the existing IP address, and they're doing some new sort of networking thing where it's just like sort of like a resume, and it doesn't really work well with this RV082 for some reason when I'm going through the Wi-Fi and it gets confused. I'm not going to get into all the technical aspects of it. I could explain what the hell is going on, but I'm going to sort of avoid that for you. And um, so I decided, well, I needed to get a new router. And, and I've had this one for about 10 years. So it was kind of a big choice because it's got like everything uh, configured in it. I mean, it's all built out in a way that, you know, I have like a VMware ESX uh, server running in six virtual servers, um, home server. I got a one U rack um, mounted DNS uh, system, uh, all ported into this thing. A um, couple of sling boxes. I mean, it's believe me, it's it's like fucking NORAD around here sometimes, and. Um, uh, so, you know, to reconfigure all those IP addresses, all those firewall rules, all the port forwarding, you know, the stateful packet inspection, uh, all that sort of stuff, I needed to get something that was a little bit decent. So I went out and uh, I purchased, Western Digital had a new um, sort of a mid-tier called an N, uh, what is it called? It's like an N900 uh, router, and it basically has dual band 450 um, 802.11n, so it's really fast Wi-Fi, if you don't know. And uh, I also got a, um, a, a gigabit switch, so everything moved up to gigabit, and I ended up shutting down all my other uh, Wi-Fi access points in order to make this one reach all parts of the house, which it does. Um, I had one, two, three, four... I had four access points previously. Now I just have the one router handling all the traffic so pretty cool um it's worked out pretty good it's got some nice little features to it and everything i'm sort of um road testing it right now to see how it handles it for a week or so before i actually start to change the vmware servers over to it in the event i got to roll everything back i didn't want to have to change every ip address at the same time uh, once i start configuring the vmware server though that's going to be kind of like you know there ain't no going home after that so yeah, that had to happen. And the reason that had to happen was because the unfinished room in the basement is unfinished. And uh, it doesn't have any network jacks that would enable me to um, wire in. So I had to get wireless. And it had to talk through two floors. So I needed something a little bit more um, meaty in order to get that through. And it looks like this is going to work out just fine, at least so far. The second stage of this process is I'm going to have to go out and get myself some kind of a table right and i'm going to get a table and uh it it could be just like a freaking fold-up card table for all i care it doesn't have to be a big deal but i got to get it some kind of table because i'm not going to do it on the floor and um get some chairs down there and then i think what i'm going to do is purchase a sort of like a business laptop that um just has a you know a really good processor in it like a core i7 or something quad core um, and a decent sized screen. I don't really care about any of the other bells and whistles because I'm not going to play games on it. I don't even care about the battery. I'm not taking it anywhere. It's just going to kind of work as a workstation. Um, but I wanted to get a laptop because generally the fans on those things are very quiet. Um, and uh, that's going to be basically the recording computer. So, you know, spend a few bills, 
get that down there. Then I'm going to take all the audio gear, the mixer board, the studio mics, and um, yeah, these actually are studio mics, and put those down um, down there as well. And the goal here in doing all that, not just because it's going to make it quieter, is that I'm going to have a secondary microphone, and I'm going to hopefully get people to come over to my house in order to record. This makes it a lot easier to set up and manage because if I say to somebody, do you want to come over on a certain day? They come over, we record. It's not like something they're really going to like bail on, you know, uh, you try to get Skype going and the computers and everything. And you know, it, it becomes very difficult to do. So this is the plan. I mean, Larry lives right down the street. Anderson would probably come over. Jason doesn't drive, but if he ever gets off his ass and gets himself a car one of these days, uh, he would certainly come over. Um, Brian, he's a, he's a little bit more of a impossible person to track down, um, especially now that his work schedule has changed. He's added on another day, so he's really difficult now because the free time that he does have is basically only you know what he wants to do to play video games or whatever so um getting him to record even for an hour is tough i try to get something going with uh him myself and don anderson for a show on wednesdays because that's actually a day that he has off uh but he said no so anderson and i are going to most likely start to do a show on thursdays at around seven o'clock um it's just gonna be like the don and kevin show uh we're just gonna kind of talk shit the um the idea behind that is we feel that we have generally a lot of lot to talk about that we don't really get to, and it's sort of like, you'll see. It'll be a really entertaining show. Uh, the only problem with it is trying to actually get it started. Um, I have to get home and, uh, you know, call him and get hooked up and everything and, and make that happen and... Uh, this last Thursday was no good. Hopefully this coming Thursday we make it work. Not really sure, though. We're going to have to see kind of how it gets going. One of the problems I'm having right now, personally, is that at my work, we're kind of in a crunch. I mean, we're always sort of in a crunch being you know software developers, but we have this very large customer um, that is sort of new, and they're working on an integration project with our software. And we sold them this integration, and they have a very tight timeline um, that they're behind on. It's not really our fault, but you know we're getting specs from them um, daily, and we're uh, cutting out a lot of code in order to get this, you know, um, web services module finished for them, so that they can integrate with it and um, use it with their product. That is not causing me to stay late after work or anything with overtime and all that sort of thing. But the problem is, is that it's like really sort of set into my mind. It's sort of clawed itself in and I'm dealing with, um, uh, you know, just a lot of, um, work related thoughts, which makes it so that the minute I get home from work, I'm still sort of in this Vulcan kind of mood where I'm thinking very logically and I'm not really, you know, uh, switched on to suddenly start talking about fun things. And so this is gonna this isn't gonna last too much longer. We've probably got a week or two more weeks of that before it sort of mellows out like all the rest of our stuff that we have going on, and then it just becomes the usual. And so, um, 
so this new radio show is going to happen. Now, uh, I've been thinking about doing video game news radio again. My biggest problem with it is that I basically have no co-hosts, other than probably Larry would show up. Um, but Larry doesn't really play anything except Lord of the Rings. And, um, you know, I'm doing most of my gaming talk uh, with Spill when it comes to video game uh, reviews. And uh, there's a little bit of talk that we discuss some of the issues that are going on in gaming, um, but not too much. And so I'm kind of, you know, kicking the ball around, um, you know, possibly, you know, putting the show together on on a Sunday and then uh, where I would solo it. And if somebody else wants to join the show, they can, but the focus won't be so much on the video game reviews. Uh, I just covered some of the news that's going on talk a little bit of commentary we do like the greatest hits from the um as usual and then if the other guys want to show up and do the show they will but i think what's important to understand is, is that the other guys probably won't be there uh nine times out of ten they're not jedi's pretty much done on sundays he's just never available for it anymore um brian really doesn't want to do the shows too much anymore he will once in a while but um it, it'll be rare to get him on uh you get larry but like I said, he doesn't really play anything. And uh, Anderson drives Sophie back on Sundays. So there's not really, you know, any sort of co-hosts uh, to do the show with. That's leaving me a little bit sort of on, um, like, what's the point of doing the show anymore then? Like, I'm not saying that the show is over. It's just that I'm having a difficult time trying to... Um, realize the purpose in the show because the old show was the personalities of everybody involved and if we just do a new show where it's just like my perspective on gaming it's not really the same thing anymore i i think that video game news radio needs to continue i'm just having a difficult time trying to figure out the best way forward with it at this point because i've gone through the gamut of friends that i have that would be able to uh, do a show like that and, and talk about it and things. And, you know, I realize that down the road, years down the road, that um, the availability of my um, friends is going to actually become better because, um, for instance, Don's daughter is going to get old enough that uh, he doesn't need to monitor her all the time. Um, and she'll be doing, you know, things on her own, etc. He might actually get a job where he doesn't have to work on Sundays, or he might have to not drive her on Sundays or something, so that he would become more available. Brian, at the same time, his daughter is getting old enough now that he, he's finding himself free time, but his work shift is a little bit wonky. Still, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm still sort of on the fence about the whole thing. I think, though, that I have to sort of start the show and make it somewhat regular and then just sort of see who comes along that wants to be on the show and then let that sort of uh, happen and transpire. I, I've thought about having uh, guests on the show in order to um, get their sort of perspective and let them be part of the radio show, but the problem with that is that a lot of the personalities that come from the people, you know, all of you guys are great. It's just that most of the rest of the audience aren't really interested in listening to you. And, you know, that's just how it is. You know, it takes years and 
listening, uh, you know, any number of shows to get used to a guy's personality, to understand who they are, and to follow through with, you know, getting comfortable with them. You know, people want familiar voices. They want to hear something that they're used to listening to, etc. And when you have a new voice on there, people become immediately skeptical. And at the same time, you know, some people are just not very good at, you know, at sort of getting out what's on their mind. You know, they they sort of don't have the gift for gab when it comes to talking uh, blindly into a microphone. So I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure yet. It's not over. It's not done. There's nothing like that. Spill takes up a lot of time. I think Spill's going well in terms of what we're doing as audio work. It continues to get better. Uh, if you haven't listened in a long time, you might want to try listening to it again. We've gotten some nice compliments about it. It continues to sort of um, get easier and get better. But, you know, there's still, it, that's still just a, it doesn't cover news. It, it's a radio show that covers reviews, which is cool. You know, it's a radio show that we do email shows. It's cool. We're going to try doing a call-in show probably Sunday if it doesn't get canceled again. Uh, and that's very cool. But we still sort of suffer when it comes to um, news. We don't talk too much about news. And it's not like we have beat reporters out there. I mean, just like anybody else, you know, 90% of the gaming news websites are just finding their news from um, other news websites. And, you know, what really is gaming news? You know, it's just announcements that happen from um, publishers and things like that. And then people just rehash the announcements that they've made. And there's really, you know, very, very, very little in the way of any sort of investigative journalism going on. And um, that's just sort of how it is. It's not like um, politics or something. And it's it's basically just games. And, you know, if you're able to um, uh, find a little nugget of information that nobody else has, you only have it for about a minute or two before everybody else has spread that piece of information around. So, you know, more or less, I always sort of seen the delivery of news as being something where um, if I had more time than you, I could go out and find all of the important things and relay them to you in a quick 15 or 20 minute talk and you would now have that news and you didn't have to go to a hundred different websites in order to gather it up. Uh, and uh, that may still be something, you know, that has a lot of value, I think. It's just something that I have to sort of think about in a way to make it so it's entertaining so that you're going to want to listen to it and you're not going to want to just sit there and yawn and fall asleep, which you might be doing now. So I'm going to wrap this show up. Thanks for listening to this old blast. We're still going to have many more old blasts with many more guests and all this sort of stuff. It's just a matter of getting everybody like organized and or with my new plan of getting people to come over and sit down at the microphone face to face and record something new and, and great. So it's going to happen. Shows aren't over, shows aren't dead, you know. But if you have good ideas or whatever, send me an email k b a i r d k baird at vgn.us or editor at videogamenews.com. If you send it to editor, make sure you write Oblast in the subject, otherwise, I might get it confused with some of the spill emails or it might just think spam. Um, but you know, feel free to write in or suggest, or you know, if you want to be a guest or anything else like that. Editor of Video Game News or K-B-A-I-R-D-K-Baird at VGN.us and uh, we'll talk about it. All right, thanks. Take it easy.